0: Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Tomorrow, Gase didn't make it to tomorrow. He was done last night. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. And the Browns are going to play in the sixth of six NFL playoff games this weekend. They're not calling it Wild Card Weekend. They're calling it Super Wild Card Weekend. It kicks off Saturday, January 9th. The Colts and the Bills followed by the Rams at the Seahawks, and then Tom Brady and the Bucks against the newly minted NFC East champion, the Washington football team. Sunday, the Ravens and the Titans on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Deportes, ESPN2, ESPN Plus in free form. we got a mega cast, just like we do for the big college games. Got you covered from every single angle. And then the Bears and the Saints. And the sixth of six, you just heard it. Celebrate. The Browns are in the playoffs. Cleveland at... Pittsburgh. Before we dive in, Key dove out yesterday. <laughs> Key, take us through
2: this. No, man. We uh, yesterday my daughter's birthday, so she had a little birthday deal at one of those uh, skydiving places where you, I think it's called High Fly or something like that. And uh, I figured I'd do it rather than do the zubin dive out <laughs> of a, an airplane. I figured <laughs> no, I'll go in and do this here, and you know, it was pretty cool though. It's like a, a air bring bringing coming up out of the ground and it lifts you up and. But I tell you one thing, my head though, man, it was spinning afterwards. Jeez. But it was fun. It was, it was so much fun though. My daughter enjoyed it. My family didn't think I would do it because I'm just not into those sort of extreme sports like you, Zubin. You know, when you dove out of an airplane skydiving. But that was the, that, if I'm going to do it, that is, I got enough. That's my skydiving. I'm good now. <laughs>
0: My other thing, Key, is like I'm, I can't do roller coasters because afterwards, like my eyes, like when I close my eyes, I'm still spinning. Oh and I feel like man! Like the same thing would happen with that.
2: Is yeah, that what happened to you? Yeah. Gosh, it felt. I was ready to call Earl a couple times, but then I didn't. <laughs> you know, I sat down and I, I was like, "Yeah, that wouldn't be good right now."
1: Good stuff for those of you listening on ESPN Radio. Key was out there, and hopefully, fellows, maybe we could put it on the KJZ Twitter feed and uh, folks that are just listening that haven't had an opportunity to see. Key not exactly risking his life, but you know, going out there having him fun. I was risking
2: my life. What you mean? <laughs> I took it put it in my mindset I'm jumping out of a plane at about 20,000 feet. That's what I was thinking. It Zubin, some of us are as
0: daring as you are, Zubin. Yeah, I'm
2: good. You you can do it the way it's
1: actually supposed to be done, and I'll do it that way and live the moment. I got you. Just right? always remember, when you're just look up and see the fluorescent lights and <laughs> we're just fine. We're just At fine.
2: At least I know if I if if, if it were to shut down, I'm hitting a net. That's Not hitting concrete, <laughs>
1: right. just so that you know. Softer and safer <laughs> landings. Try anything once. Sometimes if it doesn't go right, it's it's only once. So, so you never know. All right, so the Browns, for once, are back in the playoffs. It's been 18 years, 2002. We've referenced it before, the longest playoff drought in the NFL. Because it's the Browns, it couldn't be easy. They had to wait till Week 17 to get it in against the division foe, playing a backup quarterback. And then they still barely won, and they're present for that for the second time in seven days, they'll see that team again in a different locale. This time, the Steelers will look much more like the Steelers. So the question is, what does this one game, and I, I hate to put it all on totality, but we're sitting here watching the you know, Washington football team and the Eagles play with one game, and the stakes are so big for one game. What does this one game upcoming mean for Baker Mayfield?
2: Well, I, look, it, it, it means a lot. You you have to think about where Baker Mayfield is, where he's come from, how things have gone for him in his career. The guy's playing for is what is it, his fourth head coach, third offensive coordinator. Uh and so when you start to look at it, in a short period of time now, we're not talking he hasn't been in the league for four years. Right. Or, or going on four better yet. This is his third year. So when you start to look at it if he wins this game against Pittsburgh or if he plays well against Pittsburgh, that's certainly setting him up for the future. You can't, uh, again, I go back to when they drafted him number one overall, this regime didn't do that. Andrew Berry, general manager and Kevin Stefanski did not draft Baker Mayfield Mayfield at the number one overall slot. When he was drafted by John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson, they assumed that he was going to be four wides out, five wides, three wides, throw the ball all of a lot, catch and throw, pitch and catch. That's what they wanted to do. In comes Kevin Stefanski. He wanted to implement a system that he had in Minnesota, a lot of play-action pass game, a lot of getting Baker Mayfield on the perimeter, running the football, and playing defense. And that's what he's done. You don't have to take a quarterback at the number one overall spot to do that. So a lot of people are looking at it to try and justify his draft status based on his statistics and how he plays. And that's not fair to him is if he wins this football game, you certainly got to look at him as your future. Even if he doesn't win, you're still looking at him as the future, because what can you get better to do what you actually want to do within your system? You don't have to pay him 40 million dollars a year. Because nobody else out there going is going to give him that type of money in free agency.
0: Jay, you say this is win-win. I, I, I think they're playing with house money. I, I think this takes a lot of pressure off the Browns. Nobody expects the Browns to go deep into the playoffs. Uh, a lot of people are hyped about the Browns. But nobody realistically thinks they can do that, right? So I, I, I think it's house money for them ex- with the exception of them. And I, I would say this. Look, the one thing I did see against the Steelers, granted they were playing without Hayward and Watt, was that. Baker extended a lot of plays by scrambling. That one play in the third quarter, I think he he scrambled for like 28 or 30 yards, right? Keeping plays alive, extending plays with his feet. I I think if they stay according to the plan, you keep pounding the ball. Their defense steps up as Kia leaded to an hour number one. I think their defense is imperative in a game like this. You take away options like Juju Smith and company. Uh, uh, as far as receivers, and you make them run the ball. This team does not run the ball. Uh, if, you're, if their defense is able to step up and Baker Mayfield is serviceable and he gives you even more than serviceable, um, they have a legit chance to win this game. And I think it takes the conversation about Baker into a different stratosphere. And all of a sudden the conversation stops about is he the quarterback of the future? Um, it just becomes you know what are the pieces we need to keep surrounding the defense with to help us win the Super Bowl next?
1: So, Key. Obviously, you're hearing Jay rather bullish on the chances of the Browns to win this game. Hang tight, look good. Uh, I asked you about Baker. Let's ask you about what Key just, uh, excuse me, what Jay just said with regards to can the Browns win this game Sunday?
2: Think they can win the game. There's no question about it. They played well. Um, they got ahead of themselves. They allow Pittsburgh to make a slight comeback. It came down to the end, of two minutes. Uh, I think they can win the game. Will they win the game is a different story. It depends on how Ben Roethlisberger plays because clearly Pittsburgh cannot run the football, and it's going to be heavy on Ben's arms to deliver the ball to Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster and Johnson and whoever else is out there in terms of the offensive firepower that they have. If they can run the ball that would help them a lot offensively. Defensively, they're not able to stop the run in the potent running game that Cleveland has. We saw that yesterday. Ben's not playing defense. You know, we keep talking about Ben, 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 Pittsburgh, 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 but Pittsburgh's defense has got to stop Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They're missing some key players on that side of the ball, and I think we forget about that. It's about – what that defense is capable of doing is slowing down that running game because that running game is going to be heavy.
1: What does yesterday tell you, considering Pittsburgh is a shell of what we're going to see this Sunday night? Obviously, for the Browns, it was huge. It was a seminal moment. It was a takeaway win. Mm-hmm. But what do you really learn when you pop on the tape?
2: Well, you, 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 from a Pittsburgh standpoint, everybody's got to come to the party, right? You, you need help from everywhere. Um, And I think the front seven of Pittsburgh's defense has got to be stout because you know what Cleveland wants to do. They want to run the football. And if you could somehow figure out how to neutralize that and put everything on Baker Mayfield and Landry and Hooper and that offensive side of the ball, then you you force them to do something that they don't want to do, which is put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands and throw it everywhere.
0: I do want to say this, Zubin. You know, the last two games – that the Browns have played obviously that abysmal loss to the Jets and you know a really close game that almost went to overtime if it wasn't for a two point conversion that was missed by Mason Rudolph uh, on on a on a high pass there down the stretch of the game like I don't I don't know if the Browns are playing exceptional football I, I think that's the thing you're worried about them just being tighter their defense getting better and obviously uh, Baker playing at a higher level. I I think that's the only concern you have if you're the Browns. We're kind of limping into this game. But that does set it up for a classic situation to occur because I do feel like they're the team that they rise to the challenge of where their opponent is, and they will be the underdog.
1: Yeah, pardon me now. I agree with you. It's a three and a half point spread. I'm sure you knew that already considering your proclivity for the numbers, but it is Pittsburgh minus 3.5. But you're so right. You take a look at the Browns just from the jump, right? Kevin Stefanski's first game, they lose by 32 to the Ravens. That's actually a worse debut than Freddie Kitchens had. Then they turned it around by winning four in a row. Suddenly they're four and one. They're the toast of the league. And then they play Pittsburgh for the first time. They lose by 31. Then they lost by double digits to a Raiders team that didn't turn out to be very good. Then they the cat Barely edged the Texans team by three points the following week that didn't turn out to be a particularly good game with the buy-in between. But then they reeled off another four in a row, and then they had that loss to the Jets. I mean, I just don't know, Key, what team you're getting. I mean, I just kind of went through their schedule. When they look great, they look great.
2: You play who's in front of you. You play who's in front of you. You win the games that you can that's in front of you, no matter what the score or the outcome is. And depending on when you play those teams, how are those teams playing at that time? The Raiders at that time were playing good football at that time Texas at that time was playing good football I, I, even though the Texans have you know didn't make the playoffs and, and, and consistently been losing Deshaun Watson was playing at an MVP caliber level I mean it's just it, it just depends on when you're playing those teams and how they're playing before you can start to say well this team's bad this team's bad what's going to show up and I think the Cleveland Browns I think this gives them a lot of momentum and belief and confidence that they could go into Pittsburgh and win that game.
1: Here's Baker Mayfield on what it took collectively to get everyone to this amazing moment, a Cleveland Browns post football game. For our team to win 11 games this year uh, over a lot of ups and downs, to learn new systems on both offense and defense uh, over Zoom meetings, to have a lot of new faces and get to know each other in a very, Different way, and to come out and find a way to get in the playoffs in a division that has three teams in the playoffs—that's pretty damn special. I'm proud of this team, but you know, like I said, we're not satisfied, and that's the best part. We've scratched and clawed, and you know, found a way to to get in, but when we had to, all we wanted was a chance, and now we have one. The Cleveland Browns were more driven to win yesterday than the Steelers. They obviously had much more on the line. More driven, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. It was a crazy Sunday for both the Jets and the Giants. It's going to get very juicy there with the Jets. We're going to dig into Gang Green. But first, the new gang, DiPietro, Canty, and Rothenberg. Began this morning on our New York affiliate 98.7 from 5 to 8 a.m. Eastern. The Canty part of DiPietro Canty and Rothenburg. The Super Bowl winner Chris Canty joins us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. Plenty to get to with the Jets and the firing of out of Gase and where they go with the number two pick. But Chris, I got to start with what happened to the Giants yesterday, as a result, the residual fallout of Philadelphia removing Hertz going with Sudfeld, Washington winning the game and winning the division. There were a ton of former Giants as big as Eli Manning, a ton of current Giants as big as Saquon Barkley that were just livid on social media that something like that happened, what Doug Peterson pulled off, which I should mention, Peterson himself said he did it because he thought it was in the best interest and he was trying to win the game. The narrative certainly seems to be something different. As a former Giant yourself, how did you take it?
3: Well, first, I'm going to start by saying Merry New Year to you guys. I hope you enjoyed the holidays. As to your question, uh, I mean, when I watched the game last night, I just said that's another example of as to why you don't leave it up to somebody else to take care of your business, especially when you have the chance to. When we got to the beginning of the month of December, the Giants were in the driver's seat for the NFC East. And had it not been for the hamstring injury that lingered with Daniel Jones, you could be talking about them having a better chance to be competitive in games against the Arizona Cardinals, against the Cleveland Browns. Had they won one of those two games, uh, along with the game that they won yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys, we could be talking about the Giants hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a wild card weekend. But instead, it's the Washington football team.
2: With that being said, Chris, what did you make of Doug Peterson not suiting up Carson Wentz? a healthy stretch and Alshon Jeffries, pulling Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter. And there's been a lot of chatter about that, obviously. And then going on, essentially, to lose the game. What do you make of that to move from the ninth pick to the sixth pick?
3: Well, I don't think that was the best look for Doug Peterson. I mean, but ultimately it was a game that really didn't mean a whole lot for the Philadelphia Eagles. They know Jalen Hurts is going to be a part of – the equation when it comes to what they're going to do at the quarterback position in 2021. It's just a matter of whether or not Carson Wentz is going to be a part of that. And based on the reports that we saw from Adam Schefter this weekend about how Wentz wants out, citing that the relationship between him and Doug Peterson is irreparable, then then you got to think that, you know, Carson Wentz is going to be somewhere else. I mean, even when you look at the economics of it, when a player of that stature says that he doesn't want to be there – then it's going to be a problem. But as far as the game management from Doug Peterson, yeah, I think it was funny style. Um, but but ultimately, is there anything that can be done about it? No.
2: What was the reaction, though, from Giants fans this morning, knowing that they had a chance to make the playoffs and the Philadelphia Eagles said no?
3: Well, yeah, Giants fans were hot. I mean, no question about it. And there's more gas in the Eagles-Giants rivalry than there is with uh, with the Washington Eagles rivalry. And, and, and last night was the perfect example of that. That's why so many people in the tri-state area are up in arms this morning. But, again, I come back to if you're in a situation where you're trying to get into the postseason, you don't want to have to be waiting around and scoreboard watching. You want to try to take care of your business when you have an opportunity to. And the one thing that I will go back to is how Joe Judge handled Daniel Jones's injury after the Cincinnati Bengals game. He made him get on a plane and fly to Seattle when you knew that there was a little chance that he was going to play, and then you decided that you were going to try to trot him out there against Arizona where the kid clearly couldn't move. To me, those those were, those were missteps by the organization, by the head coach. You try to rest him as much as you can and give that hamstring the best chance to be healthy so you can have him have a, have a more healthy version of Daniel Jones, a guy that can use his mobility to impact your offense that's the guy that that the Giants were riding during their winning streak. You didn't have that available because I think the Giants brought Daniel Jones back a little too quickly. They have more information than we do, but I will say this, just watching the games, it was clear that Daniel Jones could not get out of the way of the rush. He couldn't extend plays with his legs, and that's one of the things he did well during their winning streak.
0: I wholeheartedly agree with you, CeCe, in that game against the Cardinals. it should have been Colt McCoy out there the whole time and wrestling Daniel Jones, but with all that being said, What's your biggest takeaway from the Giants' season?
3: I think it's a successful year. I think it's a huge step in the right direction. A big part of the job was going to be setting the culture, and that's something that has been missing since Tom Coughlin left out of the building. I mean, you didn't see that with Ben McAdoo. You didn't see that with Pat Shermer, and it feels like Joe Judge has done that. I mean, you look at how he handled the Golden Tate situation. You look at how he handled the Mark Colombo situation. You look at the development of the younger players No offseason, no OTAs, modified training camp. You realize that it was going to be a huge learning curve for rookies, but yet all of those guys that they they brought in this year, you saw them contribute in the second half of this season, especially up front on the offensive line with Andrew Thomas and Shane Lemieux. So I guess – you have to give Joe Judge, if you're putting a letter grade on it, an A-. minus. He's done a phenomenal job in terms of getting this thing turned around. Now you just got to try to build on the successes and the identity that you've established in the 2020 season.
2: Someone that didn't do an amazing job is Adam Gase, gone, fired, out of here. Who's the next head coach for the Jets?
3: Well, uh, whoever it is, it's somebody that Joe Joe Douglas is going to have to have synergy with. To me, that's the most important thing, making sure that the general manager and the head coach are tied together. So often we talk about the Jets hiring a new GM or a new head coach and their competing interests in different agendas, and you just want those two people at the top of the organization to be on the same page. So whoever it is, it's got to be somebody that's going to have a good working relationship with Joe Douglas.
1: So Canty's old team is hitting the offseason. Canty's just hitting the gas pedal. The co-host of Di Pietro Canty and Rothenberg, beginning today 5-8. to 8. First showdown on ESPN New York 98-7. Good luck the rest of the way, and thanks for joining us this morning.
3: Thanks for having me on, fellas.
1: All right, fam. We All know what right. it's like to launch a radio show, right? It's not the easiest thing in the world and Chris joined there us. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> easy. Anybody can do it. <laughs> that's what they say. They uh, Chris joined us on the Goodyear Hotline. One thing I want to mention, I'm really glad Chris brought this up because this is something that really deserves to be brought up. Sometimes you have to be a little bit older, but that's why YouTube and ESPN Classic and all that stuff are invented. There is a really, really great rivalry, and he's right. The Eagles and the Washington football team, it just doesn't mesh. And Jay, you know this as well as anybody. It's
2: more Dallas, Washington, Philly. Correct. Giants.
1: Everybody with the Dallas, right? And with exactly. the Giants and the Eagles, whether you want to go back to the Miracle at the Meadowlands with Pisarczyk and our guy Herm Edwards, whether you're way older than that, whether you want to go back to Bednarik and the late great Frank Gifford, or why would you punt to Deshaun Jackson in the middle of the field? Even remember that situation? Got to be old uh, enough to remember that one. All of those things inextricably link the Giants and the Eagles together. This one's different because it wasn't Giants versus Eagles, but clearly what the Eagles did had a residual effect on the Giants. So again, it's one of the great, great rivalries in the NFL. All those NFC East teams playing each other certainly stack up. But last night, even though they weren't playing each other, it's another another piece of a great rivalry. On the way, keys, key observations from Week 17, including one team that's won 11 games in the AFC that's ready to make a whole lot of noise. And it's probably not the team You're thinking.
4: Chishon J Will and the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e bike yet? You need to check out Electric e bikes today—the number one selling e bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two.
1: Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Key observations, things that Key spotted while watching all the NFL games. This one happened to be Week 17, the finale of the regular season. And for all of the problems Sam Darnold has had as a young quarterback in the AFC East Key, none of those problems this year have come to the forefront for Josh Allen but you've got a definitive statement to make from him even though the Bills put up more than half a hundred yesterday
2: no he, he's certainly the best quarterback in that draft class there's no question about it a lot of people felt that he should have possibly been the Cleveland Browns quarterback instead of Baker Mayfield but he's not an MVP the MVP obviously goes in my opinion to Aaron Rodgers anytime you throw 48 touchdowns, you're going to get the MVP. I mean, it's just, and Josh Allen is playing great. He may go on and get the Super Bowl MVP. Which I would rather have than the
1: league MVP anyway. If you're hoisting Lombardi. Speaking of MVP, when it comes to, to st- statistical measures, 48 touchdowns. it out. <laughs> It'll get there. 48 <laughs> touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. 2,027 yards for Derrick Henry. As I mentioned, it's a milestone. The first guy to do it was OJ. The most recent guy is Derrick Henry. The last guy before Henry was AP back in 2012. Who says you don't pay running backs, huh? Who
2: says that? I I, I think one of our colleagues believed that, but I'm not going to mention his name. And I think when you look at Derrick Henry, I didn't think he was going to get 2,000 yards because we didn't talk about it leading up to the game. He was 200 some yards away, which seemed like a long, long shot. And then all of a sudden, he hits the 2,000-yard mark. What's interesting when you watch these highlights, these guys chasing him, they start off with bad angles to start with on purpose. It's like... I don't want to get in his way because he's so big, he'll run me over. So I'll take a bad angle and just try to chase him from behind.
1: He's the modern-day Earl Campbell. He really is the modern-day Earl Campbell. Nobody wants to touch him. So Derrick Henry and company will be hosting... The Baltimore Ravens, again, Sunday, 105 Eastern ABC ESPN, ESPN2 our streaming service ESPN, plus Freeform Megacast, every single angle covered of that wild card game. It'll be the first of three on Sunday and the Ravens you better watch out for the Ravens.
2: Yeah, you better watch out for the Ravens. And and this is one of those teams that's hitting it it right in stride at the right time, five games in a row that they've won. And when you look at Lamar Jackson and you look at what they're doing in the running game, it's interesting because when you look at the total yards, Lamar's passing is not 300 yards and four touchdowns. But when you look at the total Yardage. It's the total, both running and passing for him and what he does. I think that is the key. Can you neutralize him
1: in those categories, in those areas? And teams haven't been able to do it. Indeed. I want to reiterate again this has been about as competitive as the AFC's been in a while. Teams four, five, six, and seven all finished with 11. 11- wins. Some people thought the Rams were finished when Jared Goff had a right thumb injury. John Wolford comes in. Sean McVay joked for a week he's going to be able to go on LinkedIn and his profile can say Rams starting quarterback. He's wishy-washy on what's going to happen in the playoff game. The Rams are going to take on uh, the Seattle Seahawks. That'll be at 440 Eastern on Saturday. That'll be the second game of three on Saturday. But I don't know what this guy's all about, but they they found something here.
2: Well, look, they found a backup quarterback in John. That's what they did, John Walford out of Wake Forest. Last week I spoke to a, a Rams, you know, front office guy, and we were talking, and, and he said, this backup quarterback, here, I'm telling you. And I was like, man, please. He was like, no, I'm telling you. And then I started looking. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it, it makes you just – The Rams have gotten it right. Les Snead has gotten it right in terms of his talent evaluating in terms of finding gems in certain rounds in free agency that have gone on to help the Rams win football games and help them get to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So they found a backup for now. They don't have to worry about uh, trying to see if Blake Bortles is available and some of these other guys. They got their guy.
1: Two things I would just quickly mention. One, he started at Wake Forest as a freshman. He's played a lot of football. May mean something, may not. The other thing I would mention, he threw one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see on his first pass, and he just said, block it out.
2: Got to settle down.
1: Got to settle down. Kyler Murray got hurt, came back. I threw that terrible pass. He rebounded. I thought that said plenty about him. How much noise can the Tampa Bay Bucks make in the playoffs? That's next for you. What do you think about I, I that? I
2: think they can make some noise. It, it, you know, they— if you look at it, they're going to have to obviously go on the road and they got to go into places that are going to be like Green Bays and if they get into the NFC Championship game or the Seattles, things of that nature, it, but they can win. Tom Brady's been in this this spotlight for quite some time. It's not big to him at all. Gronkowski, not big to him at all. Bruce Arians knows what it's like to play in the playoffs, so they can't make some noise. They got a lot of weapons. Antonio Brown and, and Mike Evans, if he's healthy 100%, they're running the ball with with Jones. The defense is playing well. I wouldn't I wouldn't
1: just poo-poo them. Not at all. We'll have to wait to see what happens with Evans. It's a non-contact injury. Arians doesn't seem so concerned, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, the Bucks will make their playoff debut with Tom Brady. Still sounds strange after all these months. Bucks and the Washington football team Saturday night on NBC. All right. The Cowboys had an opportunity to make the playoffs yesterday. Things didn't go their way in the game that they had to take care of business in, so they didn't have to worry about Washington and Philly. But you're saying despite a very disappointing year, no reason to fire Mike McCarthy.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, man, he, hey, you could build every excuse for Mike McCarthy not to be fired. Uh, right. You 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 take a look at your staff and you you address those issues on your staff. You also get healthy. You run it back next year. You have an off season. You have a normal training camp and you see where it goes from there. You get your quarterback back. I mean, that that that's where it's at with him. I, I'm not just going to say that their season should just be, you know, all Mike McCarthy. I mean, they got a lot of injuries and their defense was horrible.
1: Last thing I would say, think about this. Go into the Wayback Machine, 2006, McCarthy's first year in Green Bay. They were 4-8. and eight. They won four in a row, finished 8-8. Eight eight. This year, they stubbed their toe yesterday, but they had won three in a row. And by the way, after they went 8-8 eight and eight that first year in Green Bay, 13-3 and three the next year. You can have Dak back, similar, better toward the second half of the season. It bodes well. I don't want to overstate this, not boding well, but uh, you got some concerns with Tua right now, huh?
2: Well, I, I, you know, when I look at Tua and I watched him yesterday, I've watched him the last several games, I'm just sitting back and I'm going, you know, if I'm the Miami Dolphins, am I second thinking this thing? Am I sitting back saying, hey, maybe we should have took Justin Herbert instead? I, I, he just didn't look – he didn't look right. Now, I don't know if it was because it was Buffalo or the weather or what the case was. He didn't, He didn't seem like the guy that could lead me when the chips were against the wall – they had to win to get in, and they didn't win to get in. So, therefore, they're on the outs.
1: They are on the outs. It's interesting, especially after Herbert put together one of the best statistical seasons ever for a rookie quarterback in the modern era. He's got more single-season touchdown passes in his first year than anybody ever. We'll see what happens with Justin Herbert's head coach a little later today. Anthony nah, he's Lynn.
2: fine, man. They not, the best. They better not fire him. Fire him for what? Yeah. For what? Why would you get rid of him? You run it back You run it back and play it again next year.
1: They have a ton of talent. A ton of talent. As GM, Tom Telesco, has done a great job for him. Man. All right, Jay. So you reeled off seven key observations from Mr. Johnson. What do you think? Yeah, I wanted
0: to go back to the, the first observation that Keith talked about. I know that Josh Allen will not be the MVP. I think that's hands down going to Aaron Rodgers, and I think Pat Mahomes will be second. But I, I think Josh Allen has to be in the conversation. I mean, they the number two overall seed. He holds the single season franchise record for passing yards, touchdowns, completions in his third NFL season with the Bills. I just, he only has 10 interceptions on the year. And, you know, I, I do go back to what Dan Orlovsky said at the beginning of the year. I, I think his maturation and the way he's been playing, I, I think they are the one team, I said this two to three weeks ago. I think they have the most firepower to challenge the Kansas City Chiefs to come out of the AFC.
2: He, he certainly is going to get a vote, maybe two, maybe even three. He's going to, you know, get some attention. But because it's Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, it's, yeah, it's not going to happen. I understand they got the second seed. And I know that Dan orlovsky has been all over Josh Allen, and he feels like they can go into Kansas City and take care of business against the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't
1: think so. Yeah, two things I would <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, I don't think so. Two, two things I would quickly mention, because they are the two seed and they have played great football. Everybody's talking about, you know, the 25 years since they won the division, all this sort of stuff. They haven't been to the AFC Championship game since 1993, so you have to go a little further back, but with this sort of firepower that Jay's talking about and the two seed... If it's chalk, it could be their first AFC title game since 1993. Last thing I would add, sometimes it's just the story. Aaron Rodgers' story, nobody's surprised that he's had a great year. Nobody's surprised Patrick Mahomes has had a great year. Josh Allen's maturation and just how fast it's gone, I think is a great story, and that might be part of the reason people would maybe cast a vote here, cast a vote there. Those two guys are amazing, but we knew they were amazing. Coming into this year, we didn't know Josh Allen was amazing. On the way, speaking of amazing... Did anyone help their stock better in the last week than Justin Fields? How high can the Ohio State quarterback go in the draft? We'll dig into it.
0: Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Subin, the podcast.
4: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Now the big question is, is that number two overall pick going to be used on Justin Fields? Will it be used to trade to another team and spin to a bevy of picks? (laughs) That's not nearly as interesting, and there's just so many variables that go into that. What's really interesting is maybe feels it too. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. A quick reminder, when we're done tomorrow, Tuesday, January 5th, Mike Greenberg is up. Greenie immediately following us. He'll take you inside the stories of the day as only he can. With the newsmakers you'd expect, the A-listers that Mike's always got in the Rolodex, he'll interact with you every single Weekday, so from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greeny. Weekday morning starting tomorrow right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Look, I hope everybody had a good holiday. I don't think anybody had a better holiday, although it came a little late because it came on New Year's Day, than Justin Fields in the college football playoff, 22 for 28. 385 yards and six touchdowns. One of the greatest performances in all state sugar bowl history. And certainly one of the greatest performances in the small seven year history of the college football playoff against the guy that all of the experts said had separated from fields to such a large degree that you just have to go Trevor Lawrence, huge drop off, all the other guys. Key, I know the Jets got the number two overall pick, but let me ask you a bigger macro question. If we're willing to downgrade Justin Fields, or any quarterback, but Fields particularly, because he has a bad game against Northwestern with like 23 of his guys missing in the Big Ten title game, if we're willing to just say one bad game knocks you down, if you have won splendid game and you do it against top-notch competition and the opposite number, the other quarterback, is the dude that everybody says is better than you, is it time to start zooming Justin Fields right back up the way that we kind of knocked him down?
2: Man, it's, it's – the reality of it is, is when you come in, like Trevor Lawrence did his freshman year and you beat Alabama, you, you ride that high. Crush him and you continue to play well, that's what everybody's going to stay with, no matter what. Justin Fields transfers from Georgia because your guy, Jake Fromm, beats, him, beats him out, allegedly. <laughs> and he has to go to Ohio State to prove himself because he ran from competition, as people would try and say. He goes to Ohio State. He has him in the college football playoffs two years in a row. This time in the National Championship. Avenging his only loss. Avenging his only loss on a bad throw that wasn't his fault, but it was the receiver's fault for stopping as he pulled the trigger. You have to climb a a large mountain to get to the point where people will push you over the guy that they've been praising for three years because they don't want to be wrong. Mm. They don't want to be wrong. Mm. So... Even though he had one bad game, maybe two stinkers along the way, they won the games, he didn't look sharp. You can pull games from a lot of athletes. In basketball, I'm sure you can find games that Jay Will didn't shoot well. Football, you can find games where I didn't run routes well. And he dropped the ball, but, you know. And so <laughs> it, it happens. And so he wins this game in a fashion of six touchdowns, amazing throws, handoffs, long, deep balls. They question his accuracy, pinpoint accuracy. Now, let's see what he does on January 11th. If he beats Alabama, he has, you know, all that sort of stuff. Doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is the guy who's pulling the trigger. Joe Douglas, Eric B. Enemy, those to Rick Smith, Lewis Riddick. Those are the people that it matters to. Doesn't matter to the media and the naysayers. It matters to the ones that are breaking down the film and assessing his ability in who he is. I've always thought, and I've said it from day one, when I, when we had Greg McElroy on here, and he was, matter of fact, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I'm like, man, just slow down. Every year, we have a guy who's the guy, and then somebody comes out of nowhere and becomes the guy. Joe Burrow just did it last year. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray did it the year before. Baker Mayfield did it the year I mean, like, it happens... Every year, Josh Rosen was the chosen one, right. and then all of a sudden, uh-oh. So just slow it down. Let the process take course. You don't start evaluating these guys so their season is over with. They're going to break them down, look at them live in throwing sessions, talk to them personally at the combine, all of those sort of things before you start to say if he's the number one guy, the number two guy, or the number three guy, four, or five, or a third rounder. That's the way it goes.
0: Key, can I tell you what I love about Justin Fields? Um, his overall leadership is something that continues to really impress me. And, look, I, I think the on-the-field stuff will take care of itself. Obviously, that game against Clemson was a incredible, incredible game. Uh, but the first day we launched our show, he came on our show and said that he wanted to play football. And, Key, you and I did not hold back because at the time I know – I wasn't totally sure about seeing football or not this year. You were adamantly against it. And we asked him some really difficult and challenging questions. That man was matter of fact about what he had wanted. And it wasn't to come back to ultimately just improve his draft status. He wanted to come back because he felt they had a legitimate chance and he could take his team to win a national championship. You fast forward X amount of months. This guy finds himself in the national championship game against Alabama after taking a hit. Key that after I called you because I didn't think my man was going to get up from that hit from number forty-seven. Well, you know. called you called me because you felt the pain. Yeah, I felt the pain. As I was a like, soft
2: look, basketball player.
0: I'm like, that's why I play basketball. You can't hit me like that. I ain't, I would not get up. But my thing is just watching him play. Yes, I think there's there is jockey room up top. But I will say this: if, if Zubin, you made the mention of. You know, we, if we can knock him down because of one poor performance against Northwestern, but then we can build him up because of a great performance against Clemson, then I think we have to do the same for Trevor Lawrence. I think that same kind of way of thinking is applicable. Trevor Lawrence is 34-2 and two at Clemson. 34-2. and two. He's thrown for over 10,000 yards, 90 TDs, and only 17 receptions. Like, you can't really second-guess those numbers because of a loss to Ohio State as well.
2: Well, he, but but I think what, when you start to look at Trevor Lawrence, you're looking at the Alabama's, the Ohio States, the LSU's. How he played against the big boys in those games statistically, yeah, the numbers are the numbers. Statistically, you can pile numbers up depending on when you're getting those numbers. But throughout the course of a game, what does it look like? He makes big boy throws. He stands in there. There's no question about it. He he is a dominant. He is a a, a dominant college football quarterback that could potentially have. Success in the National Football League. My whole thing is I've seen this movie a million times where, oh, this guy's a camp miss and he's a did Nobody's close. And, and then all of a sudden you look up and you go, well, uh, Josh Allen is the top quarterback in his draft class. Or you look up and you go, yeah, the last time a first round overall pick at quarterback won a Super Bowl was a Manning. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I think it was Troy Aikman. Mm-hmm. In between all those other guys, nothing. So you got to just slow down a little bit, big fella.
1: That's all, just slow it down. Last thing I would say, I don't want to kill Dabo. He said he would never vote for a team that didn't have nine plus wins in the top ten. How did that go? If Ohio State wins the championship, Dabo, <laughs> they'll be 8-0. <eight laughs> and oh.
0: Keyshawn, Jay will and Zubin, the podcast.